Hello, and welcome to Sutra Sidewatch. I'm your host, Cameron Schuster, and with me is... I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics. This is episode 9, I believe. Yeah, episode 9. And it's May. With May comes George <laughs> Lucas. I, never I know I'm trying to, to think of that. something on my feet to like go with that. But yeah, George Lucas, dude, it's... Uh... The month, the sci, well, the like, kind of like the origin of sci-fi month. I don't even say origin, origin of mainstream sci-fi. I don't. I guess yeah, popular because it's like the first thing that because I guess Star Wars was the first thing that really got the average person going. Wow, that's really interesting, and it wasn't yeah. just like the usual, I guess, nerdy dude that probably Buck played D or something. Yeah, or but yeah, Buck yeah. <laughs> fans. I don't understand what it was like growing up in the seventies. Been like, oh, you guys want to watch Buck Rogers? And be like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, they just released these really cool Buck Rogers and the Phantom action figures, and I was like, damn, this looks really cool. They gotta finally somehow try to make these characters cool by now. Like, it's been I don't, I don't think I would have been a sci-fi fan in the seventies. I'm gonna be honest. It's like He Man. I haven't, I've never jumped on the He Man train. You got quiet after that. I, Are you a He Man fan. I, I'm a I'm a Skeletor fan, if anything. Yeah, if anything. Every, everyone's a Skeletor, Skeletor fan. You can't yeah. not be a Skeletor. I'm not going to do the voice here. That's like something for any of our other shows. This is like the more serious <laughs> show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're not doing Star Wars or like Indiana Jones, even though that's like Spielberg and Lucas, but we're instead mm-hmm. doing his first two films. And this episode covers his very first written and directed film, THX 11. 38 or yeah it's 1138 skeletor when i first met george lucas he was like oh hi skeletor i can't i can't believe i'm meeting you for the first time here it's like yes george i've always been a fan of your work it was all part of my original vision. Uh, Skeletor actually influenced the creation of the Gungans. I don't oh yeah, imagine if I could do an entire audiobook voicing actually George Lucas and Skeletor simultaneously. It's still actually a dream. Beautiful. It's a dream job to be George Lucas's personal assistant. I always, I always joke about it, but I'm if someone ever offered that to me, I would quit everything and go do that. I'd be like, this "How is, could you not?" You know? Yeah, you it would be just... everything I've wanted. I always make fun of him, but I love him. I really do respect and love that man so much. He, he's given so many things to this world. Yeah, he's really, and it's funny. You know, we we give George a lot of uh, crap for you know his decisions for a lot of films and just choices that were made and <laughs> developing and editing and that's you could tell in cgi he added this the copy i have um is kind of like the remastered version and when it came out remastered he remastered it just like he remastered all of the star wars movies so there is like that additional cgi oh for the director's noticeable. cut yeah like it's uh it, <laughs> yeah because george was you know? it the original came out in like uh what was the year for it I think I saw it at, it was 1977, okay, mm-hmm. or no, wait, 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 it was 1971, sorry. I think. Yeah, it's it's like right out of school, His and it's funny, because he didn't technically like write it, he he knew the story, just like everything else, he knows the story of everything, um, he 
he even said like when they asked him to make he made this a short film first this was a student project it was a 15 minute short film uh thx 1138 uh eeb i believe was the full name um and that was basically for earthborn and you could tell that that's a whole thing in the film uh where there's genetically created um people and then there's the the fetus created Mm. and he was an earthborn so he has the title because he's created through a fetus um not for you, just through, uh, like, actual um, conception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was even saying, like, you know, when he was transitioning into a film and he got the offers because his short film got a bunch of awards. It was, like, best, like, short film picture, best uh, director, like, all sorts of things. It was really respected. And he got it offered to become a film. And, you know, they're like, hey, we, you know, we just need you to write the screenplay and you could definitely direct it. And he's like, I can't write a screenplay. <laughs> And <laughs> he really can't, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, no but the, <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, George isn't the best at a lot of you know things, but he is like he really has a vision. Yeah, his creative he, senses are um, that it's pretty much why we have so much we have today. It's because yeah, of that and creativity. it's very brilliant. It's very philosophical, and it bleeds into all of his other films. THX 1138 is essentially about escaping where you are um just like star wars is getting off of tatooine and i believe american graffiti is the same thing i haven't seen it yet i'm excited to either watch but it. yeah that's we're both going in blind for that one i'm like it's so, gonna be great yeah and it's just it's like the main theme that he follows and especially in this film there's like three different narratives in a sense because each act is its own little section of escapism you know we have our traditional escape in act one we have like an abstract escape in act two and a very adventurous action-packed escape in act three um but he actually you know back to writing it but he co-wrote it basically and he had the visions he had all the philosophical ideas for it um he's very inspired by japanese films and culture and you could tell that with star wars i mean uh seven samurai was like a huge inspiration for um, all of that. <laughs> just there was like another. Um, what was the movie called? Uh, I think I have it. Uh, the Hidden Fortress as well. The Hidden Fortress. Yes. Yeah. That's another one. Oh, that one's dope. Um, that's the whole Death Star concept, you know. But that's another film. We'll get into that. But and he even wanted to shoot the film in Japan. He was that like committed to like that idea and the culture, which was really interesting. However, I don't know if you knew this, but they shot the entire film San Francisco. Uh, in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, like cool. this. This will do. <laughs> because <laughs> he yeah. went he uh i remember when i was in school uh i went to school in savannah college of art and design and i had to take a few film classes and when i think i think it was film history i can't remember correctly but we learned about like a usc class and ucla class of young filmmakers and among them from the usc class because it's like yeah you got the rich ones and then the not rich ones and george lucas was in the rich camp along with uh francis ford coppola Oh. And uh, which is why you see that they actually work together on this. Uh, I believe Coppola executive produced this. Uh, oh wow! Originally, and he was always, I guess, yeah, always doing something with California. But he came up to San Francisco for it, and he filmed in the city as well as in Oakland, I believe, for like the the mm-hmm. tunnels, the tunnel system for, for yeah, uh, yeah, which is that in- still getting developed. It was interesting. I, I, the only reason I know the the stuff, at least filming for this, I, I was reading the Wikipedia before uh, for this movie, and I'm just going through it. And I'm just like, really? Oh my god, that's ridiculous! I, mean, I can't believe the city allowed them to do all this stuff. Like, especially yeah, for his uh, first film that they allowed getting, it. Getting, uh, I think they were like in a civic center there, and that's like uh, where you see a lot of stairs and everything. A lot of 
like actual set pieces which was super cool except for the cgi little moments which we could catch like the futuristic cars when they're pan panning down and whatnot um but and i think other than that i think they only use like uh the white sound stage and that was in la um but that entire white room in act two that <laughs> bizarre weird part of the film um but I, I don't know. I'm I've been oops, uh, I've been a really big fan of THX. Like it is something that when I was looking for sci-fi films and inspiration and trying to like really discover like like something to just crack open like my creative side, uh, I discovered THX 1138 and it blew my mind. Um, I was hooked, and it's one of those films that like I always want to show people. I always want to talk about, and I have. Almost in everything I've written, uh, a lot of the big sci-fi stuff, I have some sort of THX 1138 reference within my text. And it just comes out and it works out perfectly and it just seems to always happen organically. Uh, it's had a huge impact on me. But I want to know what your thoughts. like, Because you're, you're, it's your first time watching it. It's, you're new to it. You know George Lucas for what he's known for. And I'm just curious to what it did to you at this age. Uh, I... So I watched it and I I think I told you earlier the face I was making like the entire time I was watching it. It was just kind of like not mouth gaping of just like utter shock. It was just more like what yeah. <laughs> the whole the whole film. I was just like, OK, OK, OK. And it wasn't I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, uh, but it was just like, I don't know. It, I, they because they do so well with the theme they're going for because it feels very it, it's such a cold uh uncomfortable film because they do that with the sound they do that with the visuals they do that with the music or the lack thereof and the dialogue and the emotion because it the it's a it's a entire film without emotion there really isn't any emotion in it uh no aspect of it has that and as a viewer you kind of feel that that whole time so it does at least for me made me feel uncomfortable because it's just like this whole time i'm watching something with little emotion and you know normally that was what in school when they'd show you some educational video or something and they'd be like look it's gonna, they're gonna learn something and i'm like oh i'm just why why do you think i'm gonna learn from this uh <laughs> but uh, you get that feeling uh, throughout the whole thing, even though like you're following these characters and they do it. It's a very easy film to keep up with because there's only like four characters in the entire thing mm -hmm. that you're paying attention to. And their names are all like three letters followed by like four numbers about. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's THX, La, Sen, and what was the the actor's name the the tv character uh that that they uh sen and uh thx run into i forget his name already um oh um, srt out the actor's name srt, SRT yes. yeah and he was that dude was like hella tall compared to them i think and there's like ntc and so, um but there's so many points i want to like just jump i know there's so I much know. yeah there's so yeah. much but like uh i like you're just like yeah, yeah i i think i enjoyed it i just it's one of those films where I took it in, I understood it, I basically got what I needed from it. It's not something I would also probably watch multiple times. Uh, I'd probably watch it again, but I need 
to do it at another point like far from now and mm. then also like yeah I, I just don't need it again immediately but it's something oh, it's something interesting not. i just probably wouldn't watch it alone again either just because it's like <laughs> i got what i needed from it alone now it's like if i watch what's with someone else i could at least have some for not necessarily banter to distract but be like oh what do you think as you're watching it and stuff like that just mm-hmm. to see to have a discussion with someone else as they're digesting it like i did except i at that time now i'm getting to talk to you but as i was watching it i'm just sitting there like oh oh it is yeah i was the same way when i first saw it i saw it once and i i definitely had to take a step away from it and kind of just said like it kind of has to settle in you it's a weird film in that sense um it is meant to make you feel uncomfortable in a lot of se- uh, sequences especially with the music and the cool thing about that is that george would shoot it during the day and then he would meet up with uh the sound guy uh i forget his name he was like the ghost of the co-writer and that helped wasn't it walter merch wait walter merch right yeah he's uh he's in sound in the sound world he is he's like one of the godfathers of sound because he you know he's star wars he's the one that did all the but it was like walter merch and ben burt were like the two big ones uh when you think of sound designers but walter merch yeah he was there since the beginning which is why he's such a highly acclaimed guy and he so he would do the sound at night so then they would meet back up for breakfast the next day kind of exchange notes on what they did and they would shape the sound and the editing of the film with each other and kind of bounce ideas back and forth and that's why it, like it works so well in that silent aspect and also you know we're looking at the age it came out you know and what 71 you said and yeah, so during that time emerging artists were very into one visuals with film words and dialogue weren't the like carrying piece it was they wanted a visually appealing film um kind of like a silent film with uh with noise <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> no for sure uh, and uh they um th- he was very into that artistic like i guess early art house style of filmmaking just that really creative aspect and doing different stuff with the lens like even in the white room if you notice like they don't always fit in the frame they're always kind of like dipping out of it or at the very edge of the frame like it's very abstract in that sense yeah and it's uh right yeah it's it's one of those things everything feels slightly out of place in terms of just the way you're viewing it Mm-hmm. and some of the like close-up shots get like weird angles and whatnot like this was his big experimental film and i think that's why i'm just so drawn to it because it's like as a creator as someone that does want to do like has done like some film stuff and whatnot um everything he was able to do in just this is like such a good starting point you know what he's capable of and what he's able to do with a very low budget um all that type of stuff and what else did you touch on that i wanted to say oh the names dude uh did you realize how philosophical like this film is in general oh like, I don't with know. like the aspect of like what's going on in terms of the the story itself of what the world they're in is like the world they're in why their names certain stuff um you once you start like figuring out why he did different moves everything makes sense also i'm wondering is it is thx called... sex it's supposed to be thx is supposed to be sex originally i think yeah thex yeah so that's a big thing is like thex you know it sounds like sex and then la love and that's one thing. yeah nobody it's an emotionalist world where they're just kind of drugging themselves up all the time to not feel anything and to go through the everyday motions and just be utterly contempt and never trying to leave, never trying to advance. Like they get to their job. That's what they do. Like that's it. That's everyone's lives in that community. 
and it's basically consumerism turned up amped like crazy because even if you notice when they go in the store they buy something and they use it they destroy it and they go buy another one that's yeah. literally the cycle there's nothing serves a purpose there um but everything's banned everything's kind of like a what was it what's the uh brave new world kind of style like aspect of it of just reaching out so no one has emotions no one feels anything there's no love there's no like actual physical conception um so that's why their names are so radical because it's two of the things they're never able to have and once they stop taking their drugs and stop like kind of kind of shed themselves from everything that's they've kind of been absorbed with uh that's when they finally feel emotions and they're kissing and they're in love and they have sex and it's like that outburst of emotional um feeling just comes out and it just transforms them completely it frees them in that sense emotions free them and because the whole thing with the world like everyone's taking those drugs to keep them docile like everyone there's no Mm -hmm. even like anger or anything and they're all just completely calm where it's 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 highly unnatural and just i guess you could say disgusting but like it just doesn't feel right you're like oh these aren't humans really and it it makes everyone very very inhuman uh there's no human aspect within the film until they break that cycle because the whole thing with like la uh somehow breaking it first and then getting fix off of it and with him like you know first you just see him as another cog in the machine for a while until he starts feeling the withdrawal of the mm-hmm. drugs and you see him like go through shit and then he's like oh cool sex and then, <laughs> and then everything yeah. changes yeah mm-hmm. uh but that whole thing with that world especially yeah the consumerism because you're looking and they're all living in these weird small sad apartments that Mm -hmm. are all inside this underground basically facility like underground city facility type thing where everything's very enclosed and they all go to work and it's like oh yeah you have the freedom to choose where you work and it's like not really like you just you go where you're really assigned to and you're just assigned a roommate really for the most part and then you get the drugs and you go it's like oh yeah you're making a wage and with your wage you basically buy this stuff that's useless and Mm -hmm. it's or and then you do it until you die basically and it doesn't it's just horrifyingly it's just horrifying and it's like when you think about it it's supposed to of course reflect being like oh yeah just look at the way things are now or potentially in the future if you let them be like this uh it's supposed i guess you know he's supposed to give that type of thing where especially in the 70s where everyone's like protesting and everything else uh there's that sense of rebellion Mm -hmm. and you get that in here too because the rebellion in this version is emotion and freedom and love as well Uh, or i guess that's part of it too but uh it's all very interesting and i don't think anything was like this before this film came out i could not say so i mean when you think about films that came out in the very early 70s in that sense and what the themes were and what was being attracted to in sci-fi it really wasn't on this level it was very different and i think it's also it has to do with a lot of things you know george lucas was studying anthropology uh before he went to film he did that for two years and then his junior year he switched to filmmaking um, so he came into the whole creative aspect very with a very different mindset. So it wasn't really commercialized at that point. Um, however, he was very into the hero's journey 
and that's why he has the Buck Rogers um, intro at the beginning of it. Uh, I don't. Did your copy have that? I don't know if that's like a whole part of the film or not. I think it might have. I honestly don't remember the exact beginning anymore at this point. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> no, yeah. There. Well, I, I don't know if that was an added thing, but I feel like it was there from the original. Um, but the Buck Rogers thing is just basically speaking about a hero that he didn't choose to be a hero. It kind of happened to him. And his he kind of felt that sense of action after realization. Um, but <laughs> that's kind of what we get with this protagonist. And it was supposed to be a metaphor for the 60s. However, we watch it today and you're just like, this is still today. And their whole intention behind that was that this film was supposed to be something from the future, not about the future. It was supposed yeah. to deliver something, not like say this is what we're walking into. So it was a kind of an interesting aspect of uh, that documentary style film. Um, and I believe the cameraman and the lighting and all that type of stuff, that was done by people who typically do documentaries and they used a lot of natural light within the film. Uh, not a lot of lighting sequences or extra equipment, especially for the locations they were at. Oh yeah, um, and the tunnels? It's all, yeah, the tunnels and like the mall and stuff like that, the Civic Center I believe they were at. Um, that's all natural lighting and it gives that weird eeriness like more of a I mean something that sci-fi that never used before in that sense you know uh, but we had Star Trek during this time total different type of level yeah of that's not even yeah especially with Kirk being like oh boy green alien yeah and it, it's crazy because it's like you know look at you know they don't have sex but there's still a sense of masturbation it's like cyber sex because they're watching the hologram and it's seriously like a machine jerking the guy off um and then you turn the channel and it's like the rodney king beating channel and it's just like the that robot like beating the guy and it's like okay that's our media today too like we just watch people getting beat by police like on our news feeds every day um sex is bigger than ever like only fans is like one of the biggest markets right now ever apparently uh just because it's all cyber sex it's all like not even intimate it's emotionalist and that's like the same direction that we're sitting in in 2021 and then there's like the the sitcom i think uh that they mm -hmm. had that was just like the two guys just talking and nothing it was like oh okay and it yeah. felt really weird just watching it because you see him flipping through the channels and first yeah it shows that female type i think she was she was an actual person not a character right just dancing mm -hmm. uh and she's supposed to be like naked and then he switches it and then it's a dude uh for just the females that are i guess uh watching as well and then uh yeah it goes through those other ones and he's just like oh, i'm gonna watch this dude get beaten and she uh la comes in and it's just like can we change the channel like do we need to watch yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> um it's such an interesting aspect um and it's also i don't know uh just like the whole theme of it like going to like leaving your environment like you look at how contempt this world is um and his whole goal turns out that he's moving into the unknown um and not even moving towards something just trying to like rather escape everything he's around yeah and i think that's such an interesting like uh like goal for a hero um, they're not even they don't know what where they're going what's in what's in store for them they just know that whatever they're in right now this isn't it and this can't be it and he's he really does have that whole he's kind of like one of the masters of the hero journey i don't know who else does it as well as george lucas in that sense yeah 
And with Dex too, it's it's weird because you're seeing a character that was just in there, and then now he's not, and it just kind of goes from one to a hundred incredibly quickly. But there's also nothing else because besides La, there is no like you know in a lot of normal movies where it is like the hero's journey, whatever. It's like guy joins rebellion the rebellion already exists these things are already happening and you have a lot of like stuff where they join and they eventually become the leader or whatever this one is there's nothing it's just yeah besides law uh and she she is just kind of there she doesn't know what the hell's going on either and they're just living pretty much once they're yeah. outside of it they're like let's like have sex that's it really uh and enjoy each other's company until they are discovered but otherwise like when he starts going through everything it's really yeah just going i'm being i I was imprisoned before and now that they found out what i was doing i'm now imprisoned again what is the current goal get out and then once he gets out what's the current goal get out further and then that's yeah. really it. There's nothing else. There's no other motives. It's just really find La and get out. Those are the only two yeah. things that are on his mind. D- yes, exactly. And I, I love that you uh, noticed that aspect too, because that's really a really way, really interesting way um, to write a story yeah. and to talk about like, this is the theme and this is what's going to happen to this character. Um it's hard to it, it literally can you could literally break it into like three separate films in that essence um act one two and three are so radically different um and the characters in it are so unique and different you know when and the settings off, as well too oh yeah the settings oh my gosh the, i mean the entire middle half of the film you're in a white room it's where, <laughs> it really is just a white room it's like where yes. does it end i i don't know <laughs> Well, and I love that scene, too, because it shows how much more thought went into it. When you look at the character's name, PTO, that stands for Plato. Uh, and I think the other one is NTC, which is Nietzsche. Um, and then oh, are you talking about one. in that when it's all the, like the rejects, basically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like it's all off of philosophical names. And they're just like talking about Richard Nixon. They're quoting Richard Nixon speeches for some reason. Like all the dialogue is very disconnected and it's meant that way. It's kind of meant to make you feel like weirded out. And just like in the beginning of the film, you know, when you, when you see a TV screen on a movie, like it doesn't have the lines on it. And if you hold your camera phone up to it, you'll see those lines and everything. Yeah. So typically they really try to adjust everything to not get those angles, but they felt like that was, that made you kind of dizzy and disoriented and even in the very beginning of the film there's a whole sequence of like lines running across your screen very disoriented um and that was all kept there in place just to keep you uncomfortable and the lack of emotions in the beginning is there to keep you uncomfortable the lack of like concrete dialogue in the second act is there to keep you uncomfortable um it all ties together and somehow he remains consistent through each part and i I just think that's brilliant for an early film definitely and the settings themselves when they're going through them too like because it's it's uh the first area it's really like oh it's the society uh that they're in or what you'd want to call us i guess the word would be for a society but uh (laughs) it's these sad little white rooms and you see their workstations you see the all the hallways they always walk through and it's just a weird sense of just drones in a machine and then 
you get the second setting and yeah it's that horrifying horrifying white room that was probably the most horrifying setting and because it's just uh it, it's a prison but there's no bars there's no walls really and they're just there and eventually you know because it's like thex and la are there and then la's taken away and you're like what happened to la and then you see him get placed with yeah all those philosophers and sen who is the one that kind of caused all this shit in the first place yeah. uh and he's just like i like you and you're like well, why is he <laughs> it's such a weird bizarre performance dude it makes he makes you feel uncomfortable like crazy just the way he talks in his speech and doesn't really make sense but he does have some good sentences like his voice you got his voice so well like i just that gave me chills um i want to talk about philosophy and also i don't like your philosophy i'm going to start walking around (laughs) and saying random words and you will listen because you have nowhere else to be. And it's just yes. like, oh my God, what is the hell is happening right now? Yes. That was, um, that is probably the most uncomfortable. It's just imagine being trapped in a blank white space that looks endless. And you're with random dudes that seem like they were in some form of asylum. And yeah, it, it, they are just saying random things. And you're like, I could keep walking, but I don't even know where I'm going. And all I did before this was take pills and then I had sex for the first time. And I was like, well, this is really cool. And then they got arrested for it. And now I'm here. Like, that's the whole thing. It's so... I I, I love the characters in that room. Also, you have the guy that... You know, the movie, he just passed away recently. Um, He was in House of a Thousand Corpses, the clown guy. Oh, is that the dude that looked really kind of like, like he didn't say aggressive. anything he was just yeah. like weird and hugging himself if i remember correctly he was like really aggressive and kind of rapes that one girl that was there in the white room oh that's like, what that, it was yeah yeah. That's, yeah that's him and that tripped me out watching it this time uh realizing that um because i found out he was in that film when he passed away and i was like who, i've seen this film dozens of times like who is he and watching it today i was like man that's one of the weirdest creepiest performances because that character himself you know how whacked out he is he doesn't say a word i think he says one word or two words at the, at the end of when we see him but like pretty much nothing the entire performance and you understand exactly what kind of character he is just like that aggressive sexually aggressive guy um who's just freaking out and more mentally unstable than everyone else uh and then you also have like you know thex at this point has realized he can be free he can escape you know he's off of the drugs and all that and when they're walking away i love how lucas is really good at doing like bringing mythology into like his stories so he runs into the black guy that's kind of he was a hologram that got brought to life i thought that was the coolest trippiest thing in the world yeah it's Um, like it's srt i don't know what the short version would be cert i guess srt yeah something like that yeah but and he's he, like that that in mythology they always have a uh, that magical character that kind of points them in the right direction that kind of pushes them forward and gets them oh, past, like some sort of situation yeah because that that was an interesting start of a journey because they're just there and it's like oh food time and he's like you know what? i've had enough i'm gonna leave and sends like we're where are you going? And he's like, yeah. I'm, I'm just leaving it. <laughs> and he's like, what? He's like, sense so appalled. Like, don't, don't leave me with them. And you get this sense that, you know, you, you, want, you see Sen wants to stay with him for the fact that also Sen was the one that wanted to be his roommate. Because he's like, yeah. yeah, you seem like you do a good job. And I want to be 
near you. I want to be near you. I don't really explain <laughs> why, but I really I want to be your roommate, and I can make the changes so that's possible. Hey, you you made me wind up here. You you knocked, didn't you? <laughs> it's like that. Yes. Whole... yes. <laughs> it's... And it's cool because that guy that um I forget his name that actor he kicked ass. Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance, yeah. Yep. He Donald kicked ass playing that role. Like he would get everything on the first take. However, who played the main character? Uh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. There you go. <laughs> Duvall like couldn't get his stuff down on the first take. So then he get it down like on the tenth take, and just them having those back and forth sequences, they didn't have digital editing. Editing. So it was like them doing it over and over, and they only got to use footage when it was like on a single person like camera and then they got to save that clip and then when it's both of them panned away that's another take and whatnot so it was really interesting their chemistry and apparently that was like a really frustrating part of filming this was one was down on the first take and the other was good on the 10th you know and just that radical difference between discovering how to perform that piece yeah i can't can't even imagine what it's like just like hey have no emotion when you're doing this just yeah. like completely blank and like seeing them walk that walk it, it, it the only thing i could think about when they were walking through that right room honestly was just walking through a desert that's what it felt like that entire mm-hmm. time when they're going through there and then they see someone else and i'm like is that a mirage and it's like oh no it's srt and it's like hey haven't i seen you on television and he's like oh hey guys what's up and you're like that's, it's, that's super interesting you said that because this is the perfect like metaphor for like that scene in any of those type of films that were coming out in the 40s and the 50s war films and everything walking through the Sahara just the sun behind you and just blinding it's one vision all the yep. way across like and then you do come across these characters it's so brilliant and it's now in a sci-fi setting like it's perfectly tuned into it um, and actually dude uh again some of the places that they were in after that they go into that um oh well they go into the fertility place and that's yeah. where you found out about la did she she's gone basically because she's a, a tube baby they kill her off and then they just rename her um use that name for another tube baby and potentially her and the child i'm assuming she was burying um or uh is dead and yeah. that's Thex's kid and like the woman he loved like gone and he realizes it and that's just, just it, that destroys him because now he can feel it and imagine that concept like and he doesn't that, know what to do with it it's like yeah. uh, I don't know what I'm feeling and it feels really bad but I don't know what to do with it it's it's mm-hmm. just yeah and, and Sin when they're getting past that point and this is kind of skipping a little bit but yeah, yeah. Sin is like scared to go into freedom and he turns back and he goes back with the society because he's too scared to like fully escape while Thex is just like I'm going no matter what and even guards that are chasing her like no like, well, we can't go past this point like don't think it's separated too because once they get through the do- th- that was the horrifying part I think when they mm. get through that door on the wall uh, the crowd of people th- it was like cattle and <sighs> uh, SRT and Thex are able to get through it they're like they just they they just push through but you see sen just get carried away in the crowd of people and i'm just like what is even happening right now Mm -hmm. because it's so appalling just to see that happen and you're like oh right there's no emotion there's no thinking in any of these and in any of these people so you don't really know it they never say why but it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel impossible for that to happen with those types of people under the the kind of conditions they're in currently oh yeah exactly nothing yet like you said gray walls white rooms like just flat everything take take uh five pills right now and in two more minutes take two more like and it's just that bizarre aspect of life and repeat and even the religion which is dude when they got to that the the freaking oh yeah all hail this guy that's just random guy and then uh the confession boxes or the therapy boxes yes uh uh-huh tell me more make sure to take your pills and i'm like what well, and also, it, you have, like, that Renaissance Jesus, and you have, like, Buddhist Hindu music playing over yeah. that. You know what I mean? That weird, like, connection between stuff. And you're just like, this doesn't process. You know what I mean? Like, it's so awkward. I think what killed me was when they do the the therapy bot voice, <laughs> it doesn't even try to time it to where uh, Thex is talking. It, he'll still be talking, and it basically will just interrupt him being like, great. <sighs> Great, like they're not even trying. They're like, it doesn't. It's the the horrifying part. It's just like the society is like it doesn't matter. They're under mm-hmm. our will. They're under our control anyway. It doesn't matter if it sounds good or not. Just do it. And Thex notices it once he starts breaking out of everything, and that's where why it feels so out of place. Because then it's like, oh, now I notice that this is all fake. It's all a fraud. And then yeah, yeah you get to the religious part, and it's like, oh, this is even more of a fraud. And it's just like a really sad video production spot. <laughs> yes. It's... Meanwhile, Sen's just like talking to random kids, being like, "Hey, more philosophy." Did you know when I was a lad, and I when I was <laughs> swallowed up by a crowd of people, <laughs> it's like, "What are you talking it's about?" Brilliant. Like it's so weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's, it's very much just like almost the most sci-fi you can get in this type of setting you know what i mean here we were talking about high fantasy not too long ago and that was one of the most high fantasy things we've seen and then now it's just like the most sci-fi turned up like and also the people that are bald that's a whole team of people those are all real um and that was actually like they were on a circular like i guess set yeah and that's why it's the same people to just going around and around and around and around oh really it it looked yeah and it made it look like there was like hundreds of people so that was a cool effect oh that that is really especially for that time that's actually really interesting right yeah Yeah. um it's they all these people there they got paid like 30 bucks a day to just go and walk around with a shaved head in like Pacific center and whatnot like super cool stuff i would have done that no i wouldn't (laughs) like my hair too much especially now how long it is right yeah same here yeah both of us have been growing it for a while i wouldn't be able to part with my hair it's too long and flowing (laughs) but uh <laughs> the that, yeah, that yeah with the sets too uh and it's kind of hard to notice you know especially with the like with the remastered cgi and whatnot but like we said the tunnels were all those are actual locations yeah and those are they even went to like a a power plant for like the the factory um, oh really scenes and i didn't know that part yeah but the thing about that is that they only had like 30 minutes to film everything. They had to do oh. a bunch of stuff like in just record time. And you're also around radiation and all this crazy stuff. You know what I mean? And More like, incentive to go quickly. Yeah. Like it was just they flew through it. And I think that's why they changed up some edits and whatnot. But it, how cool is that? Like they that's... that was real. And gosh, I'm trying to think of the other location they used. Um, I know on the ladder sequence – when he's climbing up it, it's a whole Batman 66 thing where it's actually a flat, it's a, a horizontal 
Um, oh, and he's just and like basically vertical. crawling, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. I think once you get to that final setting area when they go through and it's like, oh, it's the offices, and now the the cop bots are chasing them, and they're just bolting. And yeah, you get to the tunnel portion because they get those vehicles, which I love. The I was looking through the behind the scenes and. I love that they used for the vehicles. Uh, it's a Lola T70 Mark III race cars, and yeah. the cops had the Yamaha TA125. I'm reading it word for word here because I, I would not remember these numbers. <laughs> but I'm just I'm looking at the pictures of the cars, and I'm just like I never would have thought that these would be the cars that were used, and they just painted them over and everything else. But it's just interesting watching how they hide from the cops and then they're able to just like outrun them Mm because also the cops aren't used to any of this either like all all of the because it's funny you see like the operator and they're like oh send in more units send in more units send in more units that's all they do and they're also just used to small i guess glitches within these people and they're not used to people with complete freedom now where they're just like I'm gonna leave and you know SRT's like yeah I just didn't want to do my show anymore so I'm out as well because I just want to see stuff too and like he has his reasons and you always wonder because I guess because they're doing the show then maybe they have a little bit more freedom they don't take as many pills and that's probably what helped them get out Maybe. but dude when they jump in those cars and SRT's never driven a car before that was like damn because he so- just that's like a real shot too and apparently when that happened like they ran up to him and like he was like unconscious and everything and they're holding him and then all of a sudden he opens his eyes and he's like george why'd you fuck up that shot (laughs) because they all got scared (laughs) because they thought he like was really injured because of that accident and whatnot but yeah that's a real legit like that's a car crash right there and it's such a goofy crazy thing and it's unfortunate it like breaks your heart um because he right dies to, yeah 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 he's that's it for his part you know and it's just he was right there to freedom and he literally died just to get as close to freedom as he could yeah and it's just like damn if only he knew how to drive but freaking thex somehow is just like was cruising racer. yeah yeah <laughs> and it was so brilliant that ending shot where he escapes and he gets to the surface and it's like what is mm-hmm. that that's the sun and you get like his sense still sense still back there talking some nonsense but yeah uh he gets up and you don't really see what kind of the environment is it honestly almost looks like a desert or something yeah. you can't really Varian tell and just like you see why they're underground pretty much yeah. uh but it ends with him up there and it straight up just shows him looking he literally doesn't he's just like uh okay uh <laughs> i guess this is it and you wonder like because that whole it's that whole thing of like that was the story but what even would happen after in that situation especially if he's in some post-apocalyptic desert some sort Mm -hmm. and it it just raises more questions that journey into that he doesn't know where he's going it's unknown it's just not here like whatever is in store for him that's what he's going towards and it's such a like you said you're like what happens from here you know what i mean like what what is he gonna uncover it's such a good cliffhanger um also that wasn't robert duvall in that last shot oh really like one like the i think it's the sound designer and whatnot they just put on his merch 
Yeah, and it it took like four days to get that shot because you know it's a sunset, and every time they would try to shoot it, like fog would come up or something, and like it was always some weird weather conditions. It took a while to like land that shot, but what a cool ending and just the credits. Yeah, the way they roll. It's a uh, I, I assume doing that practice there helped them when they did uh, a new hope and mm. or the original Star Wars with the Tatooine double sun scene and also Raiders of the Lost Ark with the digging scene. Because if you think about it, actually, all of his first films just have straight up like yes. big sunsets and stuff. So that's a recurring thing there, too. But uh, one thing I feel like people may not have always talked about this, but another uh, takeaway I get or analogy I have for him escaping is evolution. It's him evolving to the next stage and uh him getting to the desert isn't necessarily like because you think like oh is he just gonna die here who knows like but Mm -hmm. it's that whole form of evolution where you know it takes only you know one fish finally gets on land but you know there's still to be more but that's the first one it doesn't know what the hell it's doing but you know it takes time for these things to happen and yeah eventually yeah potentially it's like humans will evolve once again and obviously the evolving would be from just uh getting out of what other humans already did to them but in that sense it is that evolution to just freedom after losing it prior to this or being born into uh a fraud world i guess you could say well and to add to that you know here we are in the beginning of the film and he's basically like how am i going to escape this environment and then he goes to a different one how am i going to escape this environment goes to a different one same question and then he escapes and he's out there and now he's just like how am i going to escape this environment like it's the constant same kind of outer world like worldly uh antagonist yeah we see within it and it's Um, survival it's really evolution is survival and that's the whole point of it it's evolved to survive and now he has to evolve again to go how do i get out of this (laughs) (laughs) uh Hopefully, if they're if they've been down there that long, you know, hopefully something is improved, so we could go find something. You gotta hope, maybe <laughs> yeah. find some Ewoks or something. But I, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, and of course, uh, I, I meant to bring this up in the very beginning, but they're underground, right? And yes. we've already established they are an underground uh, civilization. And you have to assume uh, it's like far future, where it's it's some form of, I guess, you could either say just like dystopian future or post apocalypse, one of the two. Mm-hmm yeah well i don't know what other film does this and i'm sure it's been copied before by now it's been whatever 50 years practically but the credits in the beginning they come down on the screen they don't come up i didn't even realize that that's because you're going underground and whatnot like you're following the the title oh so much more sense it's so brilliant i i just i fell for that one once i discovered that um man uh I don't know. It's it's a film that like, even camera movement wise, there's very little. Uh, it's more of an experience, I guess. You know, it's really like that. This kind of film really is an experience of like what you're viewing because it's more about atmosphere and texture and you know, um, minimal dialogue. It's really just kind of you're witnessing this thing. Um, it draws you in in a different way than any other film that he's done. You know, it's not traditional at all. It's not mainstream at all. Um, 
but it's very much one of those like artsy kind of art house films that just you're you're gonna feel weird it's like when you watch Eraserhead you know that kind of like I so I watched a part of that I walked in to my friend watching it at the worst possible time it was uh, you watched the whole thing walking to them yeah i've seen it uh the one where the he sees the 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 child thing the creature yeah Yeah, i walked in at that and i said what the hell are you watching and honestly i don't know a good moment (laughs) moment to walk into that movie that movie's just a different level yeah but it like it leaves you like when you finish watching it you're just like like what you said what the fuck right all right, like this. You is... watching this? Sounds great. I'll see you later, dude. Have a great time. <laughs> yeah. I'm never talking to you again. It's it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's a weird like kind of. You have to understand, I guess, like science fiction and what science fiction like heavy science fiction entails. Um, I don't even think Blade Runner is on the same level because it's more entertaining than this. This is very much of like, uh, it's almost like a case study of consumerism and yeah. what it does to humanity and whatnot like it's it's really not your traditional it's not star wars you know it's, it's not it's uh, star wars. it's showing you complacency versus a call to action there you go yeah mm-hmm. and our main, main character gets forced into that call of action but man i i find it brilliant it's i'm I watched it this time with the commentary because I've seen it so often. How how was that? Was it just uh... awesome? It was so great. Like, and it's great hearing George talk about like. I think I would rather. I'd probably want to hear it with the commentary so I can (laughs) someone talking. (laughs) I feel more comfortable. You're like, I'm here to comfort you throughout this journey. Watch with me as I explain to you the glory that is THX 1138. (laughs) I'll be like, wow, I can't wait. Actually, I'm doing it. Would it be like Thex? 1138 or no they straight up say thx yeah and i there was one thing i noticed when because i knew this movie was created a long time ago and i don't know why i never watched it but that's the same case with american i just never watched these films Mm besides honestly outside of star wars and indiana jones i just never i just never tried but that's also because i have a fat list of the movies i've never watched that i should have by now that people always just get shocked looking at me but uh i i think with this too looking back at it when i first heard of it i was like thx and i'm like like thx thx and you know you think of thx like the audiovisual system yeah yeah <laughs> you see that a bunch of movies where it starts up and it's like just something huge there and this was it because i was looking down and i'm like it, it had to have been the same thing right you wouldn't you wouldn't have that type of name and not not utilize that right and i looked through it and i found out yeah, he because I think Lucas founded it. I think yeah. that was uh, founded by Lucas to create that kind of thing, and it's just so cool that that was that's where that came from. Uh, mm-hmm. Was his first film, and that's probably honestly the biggest part of his legacy of that film is it continuing oh, yeah. on into that other because like if you ask the average person or even if you ask a star wars fan someone that's like yeah i loved the stuff or maybe they don't love george lucas stuff but if you ask them you go oh you see his other movies and they go what indiana jones and you go no like thx or american graffiti mm-hmm. 98 or 99 percent. i'm not even joking i'm pretty sure it's like 98 99 percent are probably gonna say no yeah exactly and I, you know, that's one of those things. It's such like a hardcore, like deep cut um, that that's why I always try to include some sort of reference of it into my stories. Uh, and I, I did this whole transmedia project where, you know, I had to do 
uh, transmedia. I mean, voice into like different mediums and whatnot and like telling a story at the same time. And I snuck a single THX 1138 reference into it and my professor noticed. And uh, when he caught it, he was just like, um, he's like, and there's no way that this wasn't intentional, but this THX 1138 reference, very people, very few people are going to understand it and get it. But those of us who do, we love it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I was like, yes, I did good. Um, it's remarkable. And I mean, as a creator, it's just such a wonderful film. And it's just filled with like, I just, I get so hyped up to like just work on a sci-fi project after that. Like it really, for some reason, that blankness, like really just opens your mind to like everything and how simple, like how simple everything could be and still be so brilliant. Yeah. Um. Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't get this aspect until I watched the commentary. And when it was said, I was just like, okay, George, all right. This is why we don't understand you sometimes. You're truly an artist. Uh, but THX 1138, he considers it to be a comedy. I could see it though with Sen. Like, just, like well, I, <laughs> but it's... with the robots like crashing into the thing. Oh, that that was, is... That... That's like... He's really like a lot of THX. Like I, I brought a lot of humor to it. Probably the most humor I've had. And I was just like, "What the fuck are you talking about, George?" <laughs> like, what? I mean, you're talking to George. who probably like you know he doesn't really when he talks, he's not really smiling. And then when he does smile, it's just like <laughs> it's just like a small. <laughs> yeah. like, you're just like, what the hell, George? So I, I do get that. And there, you know, what's a funny thing about this because we just it, it's very it's like i said i feel incredibly uncomfortable watching this film but Mm -hmm. it's refreshing at the same time because you're looking at i always would say take your favorite filmmaker odds are the movie they did that you love is probably a big block it's not maybe not a blockbuster but it's like a big film it's probably like one that wasn't their first it's something that came later and it's something you, that brought you in and probably had them watch, watch you like their other stuff too, but it's one of your favorite films. I want you to watch that again. And then I want you to go back and watch their very first film and see the difference there. And I almost want to say, watch their original film be 10 times more creative mm-hmm. than the big one that everyone knows them for because it's such an insane thing to see how much more creative people are with a very low budget to do these films because no one knows who they are versus where they are afterwards and you have a lot of other hands in the pot you have and i'm not you know with george you know you want actually other hands in the pot sometimes but (laughs) uh with others like it it gets with big execs i always Mm -hmm. in my head for now it's always wb unfortunately but i know yeah uh, (laughs) uh they, they always do these other things there's, there's other people involved the people that are funding your project are involved and there's a lot of issues in that where uh same thing like one of my favorite directors honestly used to be christopher nolan and then now everyone's like you son of a bitch but yes. like uh looking at his old stuff like memento and everything else i haven't actually even watched his original original film i think it's called following Oh and yeah, yeah, that's right. The following, yeah. I got it on Criterion because uh, I really wanted to uh, check yeah. it out. Uh, but it's something I still have to watch, and it's like you'll watch that versus like <laughs> you'll watch Dunkirk or something. Which yeah, Dunkirk just made me angry. But uh, I still have to watch Tenet. 
And in our newest episode of Up To It, Down To It, we actually talk about the state of film. And mm-hmm. I asked a question to everyone. I'm like, what would you do? Like, what's one thing you would do to change the industry? And one of my friends, Roman, he actually said such a... I completely agreed with him. I was like, oh, that's that would be my answer, actually. And it was take away very big film budgets. So you're not spending... 50 million dollars on robert downey jr and then the rest goes to whatever it's like oh you have a limited budget now so you really have to try and you really have to pick like what you want to do and if the actor really wants to be in it you know they're gonna talk about not being paid a ridiculous wage that they don't deserve Mm -hmm. sorry to say but that's true and uh it's instead gonna be like it's gonna be the quality you're gonna get people there that really want to be there and it's going to be something where you're really trying if you have this much money you have to try so hard and be as creative as you can and it's just an interesting prospect to think about versus like oh i spent you know 208 million dollars on this no biggie you know i could have bought what 200 houses for this money but you know it's fine it's Mm -hmm. like it's insane uh and that is a primary look at not even just with George Lucas, though, because that's that's a little different with him, because obviously, you know, he just keeps adding things in after. But I'm saying, like, look at Star Wars episode, look at the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, and then come look mm-hmm. at this, and you're like, there's a difference. Or even, you could, you know what's hilarious? You could do this prequels and the sequels, and mm-hmm. look at the difference, and you see where one is highly creative, and one has an insane budget of just, like, infinite whatever, and you're like, wow. Okay. And they they have that whole george lucas sense of originality there's obviously something wrong where it's like yeah maybe someone else could have jumped in to help out and kind of put some reins there but otherwise there it's just full free-flowing creative ideas you don't have room for the crap when you have that big of a budget you have a lot of room for the crap you know like you're just like let's do it let's try it let's find out and it's like the other way it's like well we're gonna take a risk and we're gonna have to pull off that risk like no matter what the outcome is it has to work like that's the only option yeah and that they force it to and they make it work and that's funny you say that because there's certain scenes where i think there's one where they're like experimenting on Thex, and there's like a tube and like going in his mouth that's like a carpenter's thing that they use to vacuum up screws <laughs> and then they have like a toilet spanner like poking his nose and everything like it's very very much so let's run to the kitchen and see what we could find. And these are going to be the sci-fi futuristic tools we're using to, you know, diagnose someone. Um, but a hundred percent, that's the big thing. Like working with barriers. Uh, a lot of artists have claimed that that's what makes you more creative. And you have to look at your restrictions and find a way to make them work. And I think that applies even to everyday life, like in work situations, home situations, just living in general. Like if you want to be happy and make things functional and, you know, make improvements and make changes, you have to work within your barriers. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that. And people kind of look for answers that are just not feasible and possible. And yeah, that might be the end goal, you know, this big, you know, in I guess in a movie term, big budget. But yeah. honestly, like working with barriers, you could get a lot more done. And then it'll open up those doors. And then it's up to you what you're going to do once you have those unlimited resources. You know, a lot of people f- fumble prequel trilogy um and a lot of people flourish you know it just depends what goes on with that but very much so definitely but i think that's all we got time for for today but you know we'll be 
we had to do a small delay and this obviously there's like a little two-week gap where this episode now is coming out uh what is it it's wednesday the uh double checking the 12th so instead of waiting one more week um the week after this comes out you're gonna get american graffiti right after and that'll be a bit of a i think it'll be a much different conversation uh, mm-hmm. because you know with THX we're talking it's very experimental it's very different it's such a crazy tone it's his first film and it's like a weird dawn of strange sci-fi and all this stuff and the budget whereas we're gonna look at American Graffiti and get this different sense more of a sense of fun and just a, an era of it's like a period piece of really just awesome it melts diner drive-ins and all this classic uh it's a, a classic Americana that yeah. we don't really have in the modern day either. And it's something that is a very nostalgic style. I think people really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely much different conversation. It'll probably be more of that theme than the, the process we talked about here. So yeah. definitely. A different... It might have hints of like things that carry over, but I'm excited to see this new, I, I didn't know American graffiti had a sequel too. Oh, it did. Yeah, it wasn't Lucas. It wasn't involved. It was like a carryover and different people all involved. But I think some of the same actors. But yeah, it's like yeah. Um, we'll we'll find out. I'll I'll look into that just to see. I wonder who it's worth noting. I wonder which studio that was because I know like obviously Star Wars and Star Wars was 20th Century Fox and then THX was actually WB. Uh, I've noticed there was like they had a slate of films and this was one of them. And I think Mm -hmm. another was from like Coppola and a few others. Disney, yeah, Disney doesn't own THX or American Graffiti because it's separate studios from before Lucasfilm was established. Oh, wait, so would that mean that WB still owns THX then? I thought it was Universal, but possibly then. Yeah, because it was originally Universal done by WB. So maybe American Graffiti Universal then. got the right. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's I'm glad we got to, I'm glad you got to watch it. Like always, I'm super yeah. happy to show you films that I've loved. Um and um, it was just it was a great one we haven't had a flaw yet with so far with our films yeah um definitely interesting insightful inspiring um and uh, again a weird film for you to watch alone which i really yeah it was like (laughs) american pop and djx i wouldn't recommend (laughs) 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 definitely watch them just uh see if you can get someone to come over or just get somebody to just be like hey hello what's going on uh brandon though where can people find you uh check out apollo city comics on youtube uh instagram all of the social networks twitter facebook and uh, just check out all of our new stuff we have new segments we have a new recording schedule like a lot of more variety from long episodes short episodes uh so much content for you and just a lot of really fun stuff coming our way um, a lot of interviews are coming up this summer, so uh, you guys get to hear some more voices and some more issues on the comic book community. So a lot, of, really excited for a lot of the new content coming on the next few months. But Apollo City Comics and streaming on every podcast platform pretty much out there. So just give it a search. And Comrade, where can they find you? So you can check out, of course, Sutra Side Talk, which of course is the channel you're already on listening to this. So just make sure you have subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, but otherwise, you can listen to Sutra Side Talk, our weekly show, where we uh, talk gaming, movie, TV show news. We actually just had uh, the other Brandon on, 
uh, to talk about Mortal Kombat and some other stuff. So that was uh, pretty fun. And we're actually approaching. We're very, very, we're two weeks away from our 100th episode. Uh, we just finished recording 98. So uh, we're two, we're so close to making it to 100 episodes and actually four years of uh, doing the show. And then, of course, we have the Cut of Steel returning very soon. Uh, so we had to do a small delay for that one as well. But that will be uh, episode seven with Aquaman. So that's coming. And also we have up to it, down to it. Like I said, we have just returned with that show and we talk about the state of film in our newest episode there. And that is honestly, you guys should really tune into that one. That is a really, really good conversation on modern the, the modern state of film. Very uh, excited to check it out. And uh, you can, of course, follow Sutra Side Talk on Twitter and Instagram at Sutra Side Talk. And you can follow me on Twitter at GogoComzilla. And that is our show for today. I hope you all had a great time, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week for American Graffiti. Hyped, man. Well, thanks for hanging, comrade. Definitely. See you, man. See you.